even right now. We saw an uptick in health issues. We've seen uptick in mental health problems. We've seen an uptick in suicidal ideation. And nobody is immune from that. We've seen severe depression. And as I said, it's become a, a pastoral issue because there seem to be two extremes in this, in this, this that we're dealing with. Not in just this church, in everywhere today. And there's two extremes. And one of it, the first, so, so everybody's going to get their toes stepped on except the narrow way today. Okay. Okay, everybody's going to get their toes stepped on on both sides of the aisle today, but it's got to be addressed. It's a pastoral issue, and it needs to be dealt with, okay? And it needs to be dealt with so that we understand truth. And I'll tell you who the arbitrator is going to be, not the pastor. It's going to be the Word of God, okay? The arbitrator is the Word of God. That's what we're going to go about. That's going to be the final. This is going to be the final say on the matter, okay? Is everybody in agreement with that? This is the final say of the matter. Is what, what, what the, I could care less about your opinion. I could care less about your favorite preacher. I could care less about me or anybody else. I could care less about your church's doctrine or background. It's what does the Bible say about this matter that really comes down to what matters. And I'm going to tell you what, it's a dangerous side on both aisles. Of the, uh, both aisles. And I'm going to tell you the two extremes. Number one is people who never talk about spiritual warfare. Okay, people who never talk about spiritual warfare and they deny its existence. So that, but I tell you what, the people in this camp, in the very conservative camp, often find out when they send missionaries to the mission field, they very quickly recognize and come to the knowledge that there is spiritual warfare. They, they, they come to acknowledge that very quickly, that there, is a, that there is a real enemy and he is at work in this world. And that immediately, when I went on my first mission trip uh, uh, back here with Lisa Bowway and a group of people, and we went into the enemy's camp and we went into territories, I immediately, the first time, one of the first times in my life that I could absolutely go into a place. Now, I'm not always that good with this. There are people who have a better discernment than I do. But I can tell you, I got into places where the, the atmosphere changed. I got into places, I, we went into Krakow, Poland, where there is Catholicism and there is witchcraft galore in that city. And for some reason, I felt such, we went to this church and when we were outside of that church, I had this paranoia, I, I had this attack come on my, my mind and I got scared. I had, to, I, had to, I had to really, really, fear was trying to seize my mind. And so I can tell you something, the, the battle is real and the war Warfare is real. I, we, we, my dad and I went to a place. Uh, I, we went to Amsterdam. We went to Amsterdam, and immediately, man, I had a headache the entire time I was in that city. I'm telling you what: the wickedness, the evil, the pot smoke, the 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 uh, the, 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 the 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 red light district. I mean, I the, it, my head was pounding from the time I got there till the time I left. It was just the spiritual. When we preached in that church, it it was just hard. It was like it was dead. There was this weirdness. And, and that place for me was just, I could feel that. We went to Sachaba in Romania. And we went into this, this, uh, this, this Orthodox church. And it was a, like a cave inside of there. It was 
demonic. It was dead. It was, it was so dark. Darkness was so prevalent in that place. People were kissing icons. It, I, I could feel oppression. So to tell me those that are on the side of, 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 of spiritual warfare, all oh, that was back then, and, and that happened in Jesus' day, and that's dealt with, and we don't ever have that anymore. Well, for you, you're wrong, okay? There is spiritual warfare. There is, it, it is real. It is real. And if you get into some climates and some places, you'll realize it. But, but then, on the other hand, there are those who always talk about spiritual warfare. Always, everything is spiritual warfare. My toast burned today. I rebuke you, devil. In the name of Jesus, the flat tire on the car goes down. Oh, and it's uh, everything's a devil, everything's a demon, and everything's not a devil or a demon. We live in a fallen world, people. Some things are just a result of living in a fallen world. We have bad days. We have a lot of bad days. We have things that begin to happen. And so everything is not spiritual warfare every time. The rise of your favorite muffin at Starbucks is not serious. That's not spiritual warfare. Okay? It's called inflation. It's, it's called bad, you know. So, so the, and the truth of the matter is if you're on both of those, which is most of the people in this room, you're, you're in a bad way. Okay? You're in a bad way. If you're on that side and you're on that side, you're, you're in a bad way. Just like if you're on legalism or you're on licentiousness. I got news. The road is very, very narrow. And few there be that find it. And I'm finding fewer and fewer on this road because there's such nonsense that I'm seeing more and more and more and more and nobody's going to this book and following it. So how do we avoid these two extremes which are both harmful? Well, obviously the answer is we conduct ourselves according to the Word of God. We look at the Bible. We look at the Bible. We look at what spiritual warfare is. We look at what it is not. And we look at how to fight it. What spiritual warfare is. What spiritual warfare is not, and we look at how to fight it. So if you got your Bibles, go with me to Luke 10, chapter 17. I'm not mad at anybody today. I'm mad at the devil for dividing God's people. On so many issues that the Word of God is clear on. Luke 10, 17. What is spiritual warfare? The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Everybody say, nevertheless. Do not rejoice in all that, that we just said right there. That the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Remember the two extremes. We're talking about 
we're, we're talking about those who never talk about it, and we're talking about those who talk about it all the time. And the context of this chapter is Jesus sends out 72 disciples. And he gives them power and he gives them a mission. And they go out in pairs and they go and preach the gospel of the kingdom in all these different Judean towns that they are going to. And how many can know that nobody ever came close, as close as Jesus did to doing as much spiritual warfare as Jesus did in his ministry? No one exercised authority better, better than Jesus did. And Jesus acknowledges here, hey, Brenda, I saw Satan. I'm God. I was there. I was there. No, I was there. I kicked his tail out of heaven. I was the man. I saw Satan fall like lightning. All the authority is mine. In heaven, in earth, and everywhere. But don't make that your primary concern, he said. Heaven should capture your attention. Heaven should capture your attention. That your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This should be what captures your attention. They became obsessed with the function of being a follower. Uh, uh, this little function in being, in being a follower of Christ. And it took them away from their identity. We are saved. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And we have a mission. And it is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to every town and village. And as we do it, these things will follow us. But that's not our primary concern. Our primary concern is taking the gospel, understanding that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, and staying on course to what He's called us to do. And as ambassadors, we proclaim the gospel. If you ever venture off the gospel, you're in trouble, people. It's the gospel. It's the good news. This church, if you can't get on board with this, it's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What's your vision statement, pastor? I'm so sick of vision statements. You know where they come out of? Boardrooms from CEOs that we've turned churches into those places. You don't want to know what my vision is? It's the great commission of Jesus Christ. It's the same vision that has always been. Ben, it's Jesus and Jesus only. The vision has never changed. The mission has never changed. What's your vision, Pastor? What's your mission statement? Right there. I don't know what tomorrow holds. Right there is the answer for tomorrow. As ambassadors, we're going to encounter spiritual warfare, but it's not our primary concern. We're not going to, we're not, our primary concern is not being ghostbusters. Our primary concern is locking eyes with Jesus. Locking eyes with Jesus. John Piper says, war is always, but it is not all there is. War is always, but it is not all there is. There is a day when war will cease. There is a day when the war in us will cease. I cannot wait. 
I cannot wait. Now we're not in that day. Now we're in a holding pattern and we're waiting until that day. So it is vitally important to understand that Jesus Christ has secured the victory. That's what we came in here and celebrated last week. He is the victory. Hallelujah. Come on. Right? He is the victory. He has secured the victory. And so we fight from victory, not for victory, people. Now let me bust the egos in here. We fight from victory and not... He doesn't need your help fighting for victory. The victory's been secured. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was the ultimate sign of victory. No, KO, knockout, it's over, finished, devil you're done, Satan, Carmen lovers, bite the dust. Now you're old, too young. <laughs> Satan's greatest weapon lost its power. Jesus, hear me, didn't leave anything half done. Now let me blow this new kingdom now help my mouth junk out of the water if you're listening to that camp you need to get out of it the seven hills the seven mountains we're going to retake the institutions we're going to retake this Donald Trump's going to take this all this baloney Jesus Christ claimed the victory and Jesus Christ is going to come back one day and he is going to rid the world of evil and it ain't going to be you and me we will be riding on six white horses when he comes behind him but he has the sword coming out of his mouth he has the word of God that he will smite the nations uh, with the sword of his mouth and he'll do it with just one single word that's all he has to do so listen man let me tell you something it's not going to get better and better and better and better and better because the church is going to make it better and better and better i read the bible and it says demonic power is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and jesus is going to come and even the elect even the elect if he did not come would fall away I don't know what Bible they're reading. Right? Is that what your Bible says about the end days? No, no. Is there three people that's read about the end days? Is that what your Bible says about the end days? Are we not reading our Bibles about the end days? Do you know what the Bible says about the end days? Maybe that's part of the problem. No, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for yes Pastor, amen. Is that not what the Bible says about that it will wax worse and worse seducers and, and, and the love of many will wax? Is that what the Word of God says? Anybody? Thank you. Hallelujah. So Jesus did not, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just try, this, is a, this is important. Okay? So Jesus did not leave anything half done or half baked, Right? He accomplished everything last week and, and every week. Not last week, but we studied, we, we, we celebrated it last week. So, so what does the Bible say concerning spiritual victory? Let's look at this. Acts 2. So verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
That's the greatest weapon in Satan's arsenal. The best weapon, get the nuke, get the, get the atomic. Devil, get the biggest one. Jesus is on the earth. Get the biggest thing you have. I'm going with everything. I got it. I got it. I got it right here. And it says it was not possible for Jesus Christ to be held by the greatest weapon that Satan ever had. Go to the next verse. Colossians 2.9, for in Him the whole fullness of the deity. Anybody that says Jesus is not God, you're a liar. The Bible calls Him God. In Him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him. You, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the old Gabe was buried in baptism. You were buried and crucified with Christ. And now you're risen a new man and you're in Him. In Him. Okay? You're, the new man is in Christ. You're surrounded by in Christ. Okay? Who is the head of all. No, you're going to remember this in a minute. Who is the head of all rule and authority. We're going to find out who we are in, as Christians in a minute. Go to the next one. Colossians 2, 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Go to the next one. Colossians 2, 14. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside the law... The law accused you. The law presented you guilty. The law stopped your mouth. Do not steal. Do not kill. Do not gossip. Do not lie. You're guilty. Can you, can you get out of that? No. So he took it away. The legal demands. Because Satan said, she's mine. She broke that command, that command, that command, cat, the command. And Jesus, I know your word. You said if she broke one, she broke them all. She's finished. I got the legal document. She belongs to me. She's in hell. She's mine. And he said, I'll tell you what. I'll live for her righteously. And I'll take the legal demand. And you can nail her payment to me on the cross. And he removed the legal demand off of you. And he set it aside. And he nailed it to the cross. Why do we preach about the cross? Why do we care if they take the blood out? That's why. You cannot be saved without it. And no devil in hell can cross the bloodline. So go to the next one. Is that all of them? Did I do five? Oh, I'm sorry, the next verse. And he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open. And he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Where are you, Gabe? In Him. Now, if you're not in Him, you're fair game. So what do these passages teach us? That Christ has total spiritual victory, not just for Him and Him alone, but for us as well, because we are in Him And Jesus always leads to victory. Now this is going to step on some toes. But the word of God is the arbiter. Things like generational curses are not a thing for believers. 
say that all your family has experienced divorce. Your parents, your godparents, your aunts, your uncles, your wife's parents. Charismatic circles would observe this. They say there is a generational curse over your marriage and over your life. And unless we break this thing off, you remain under a curse. We have to intercede. We have to do some sort of spiritual ritual, like laying on a hands, anointing with oil, something. Unless we do something, your marriage is in jeopardy. Theologically, what that is saying is that victory is, un- is available only if we do something else besides what Jesus has already done. We have to add works to break off that spiritual power. But remember, we're not fighting from a victory. Instead, or, or what that is saying we are fighting for victory rather than fighting from victory and although there may have been generational curses over my life or over my wife's life that that power was completely null and void when I came to Jesus Christ when I came to Jesus Christ his blood washed over me and then he he was not only the uh, because it was not only him being crucified but I was crucified with him in Christ and it's no longer I who lives but it is Christ now who lives in me so there are no curses over the life of Jesus can I get an amen there's no spiritual bondage over Jesus it is his life inside of me so all of those curses and all of that spiritual bondage died when Brad Lindsay died And that's what Romans 6 talks about. And now I live as free as those who are free and are free indeed. So you would ask, does that mean the enemy cannot attack or oppress? Look, he can attack and he can oppress. I'm not immune to spiritual attack in my marriage. If, if there was a pattern of these things going on in my life, the enemy would love nothing more than to destroy that, that in my life. But he has no power. No, I said he has no power. If you are a Christian and you're born again, it's impossible. Jesus has won the victory. It's impossible to be demon-possessed. Let me just get that out of the water. It's impossible to be demon-possessed if you are a believer. No Christian can be demon-possessed. You have Him dwelling inside of you, and you are dwelling inside of Him, and you are seated with Him in heavenly places, and the new man is hidden in Jesus Christ. Let me give you the analogy of that found in Mark 3 and Luke 11. He he gives this analogy of demon possession and how it works. And here's what he said. It's like a strong man who needs to be bound and he needs to be kicked out of the house. And that's what he begins to tell us. And the new owner, so the new owner can come in and, and, and occupy that dwelling place. And so a stronger man comes in, kicks out the strong man and then he occupies the building. Think about this. A believer, when you when we think about a believer being possessed, then hypothetically we are saying that a demon would have to bind the Holy Spirit, evict him in order to be in there. And there ain't no strong man stronger than the strongest man. It ain't happening. It is not happening. The Holy Spirit is God. He preserves those who are uh, surrendered to Him. And we need to get out of this thinking that satanic forces have any kind of hold on God's people. 
If they have hold, it, it, it's, it's because we're dabbling in something or we're doing something that we shouldn't do. But, but it, does that mean that, a, that, a, that a, a, a believer can't be oppressed? We can be attacked. In fact, you're going to be attacked. But God has given you the victory. So again, we fight from victory and not for victory. So we know that we can be attacked or oppressed. So what is spiritual warfare? Is it sickness? Is it unlikely circumstances? Is it temptation? Is it a demonic presence? Well, guess what? It's kind of hard to say. Because there are a lot of other elements involved as well. And let me give you four of those other elements that are involved. The first that that I want you to consider to help you understand what spiritual warfare is and what it is not. And here are those other elements that that I don't see people considering all the time in these battles. Number one, that we live in a fallen world where suffering and death are all around us. Right? We live in a fallen world where death and suffering are all around us. So the fall is one thing that can be going on when we see all this chaos and all these things going on in people's lives. It's not just that sickness is spiritual warfare or it's not just that, that, that thing going on is financial problem is spiritual warfare. It might be spiritual warfare, but it also might just be a result of the fall. Okay? Number two. We live in an indwelling sin nature that is susceptible to temptation called the flesh. The flesh. So sometimes it's the flesh. Sometimes it's the flesh in the way. I don't hear a lot of repentance being preached anymore in circles. I see a lot of character issues going on in a lot of people. Let me tell you about the Pentecostal young man who got a roommate one time. And the guy was, uh, uh, true story, the guy, I heard a preacher telling this. There was a, a, a Pentecostal young man and his roommate uh, was lazy. He was 19 years old. How many know 19 year olds are lazy? So he began to say and rebuke, we got to rebuke this spirit of laziness off of, and he was serious. He was serious. He's got a spirit of laziness on him. You know what he had? Mama's always done his laundry and mama's always cleaned his dishes. You know what he had? He didn't have a spirit of laziness on him. He had a character issue. And when you go in and ask him, do you want this demon exercised out of you or do you want to clean the dishes? Guess what? He started cleaning the dishes and we found out real quick it was a character flaw on the young man's life. He had an issue. He was lazy. He didn't want to get his tail up. And when somebody told him he needed to get his tail up and wash the dishes, he learned real fast how to wash the dishes. Number three, we live in a a, a fallen society that mostly hates God and loves sin. And that's called the world. So here's some other things we're dealing with in this thing. We are dealing with the fall. We are dealing with the flesh. We are dealing with the world. And now fourthly, we live in a spiritual battle with Satan and its demonic forces, the enemy, or spiritual warfare. So all those that you that don't believe there's not any devils or demons or any kind of the problem like that, we live in a real world where there is spiritual warfare going on. And then number five, we live by faith and God will absolutely use things to test us. To test you. And to, and to put you to the test. And so, let me, let me give you an example. Let's say that you're having financial difficulties and you begin to ask why. 
Why am I having financial difficulty? Well, it could be all of those reasons that I just read off to you. It, it, it could be spiritual warfare. But you know what? It, it, because it could also, it also be because you made unwise financial decisions in your life. And now you're rebuking devils all day and it's you. It's you standing in the need of prayer. You're the problem. Quit spending the money at the, at the, at the place. Quit buying things that you can't buy. It could also be uh, out of your control. That could be an economic collapse. We're fixing to see a lot of that. You better understand that there could be some things that are just absolutely out of your control. A tornado come through. This or that or whatever happened. The, the stock market fall. Uh, anything. It could be an economic collapse and that's why you lose your business, your money, and all kinds of things. It could also be because God is testing you and purifying you and that could be and wants you to be dependent upon him and that's why he's allowing these things the financial problems to come into your but we don't like that oh I don't speak that brother name it claim it and all that good stuff I'm the head and not the tail I never suffer I'm always rich I'm always blessed sow it right here and you sow a dollar and I'll give you a thousand dollars amen he might take it out of your pocket and test you he might take the Mercedes out of your garage. He might take the big airplanes out of the preacher's garages soon. He might give one to somebody. These things are only the fruit. We're focused on the fruit and the result your health, your wealth. Your sickness. I'm oppressed. You're focused on the result, the fruit. You're obsessed with the fruit. And, and, and here's what God is saying our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 6:10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. How do we stand against the schemes of the devil? Put on the armor of God. I don't have visions. But this is a heavy message for a pastor to bring. And I was riding here. And a song came on. And I'm just getting emotional like, God, what are you doing to me? And I saw a little boy in armor. He said, that's you, and you'll be okay. Not a big Brad Lindsay, a little bitty boy Brad Lindsay. Kind of like David going out to fight Goliath. And I said, God, I can do whatever you ask me to do today. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now a very, another very similar uh, scripture is found in 2 Corinthians uh, 10.3 and it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
But let me tell you what those are. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Here's what, here's what the strongholds are made of. No, you got to get this. If you got to leave today, you can leave. I don't care if I preached 4 o'clock today. Here's, here's the strongholds. We destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion raised against... I'm so sick of teachers preaching... Teaching their opinions. I'm so sick of people talking about God and using their opinions. And they know nothing of this book. I can talk to them five minutes until they've never been in this book. But boy, they can tell you everything you're doing wrong. And everything, everything about God in the world. Through some kind of soulish emotion through some sort of wounds of the past that they won't let God or anybody put a finger on. They won't be broken. They won't let God break them. Half the people in this room, you know what, your pro- what our problems are? No, I'm just going to be real. If it offends, I'm sorry. It's a two-edged sword. Let it cut and let it heal. Part of the problems in this room of why we have no victory is you won't let God break you. You're so, you're, you're, your heart is flint. No, I'm talking to a lot of you that think you're really good Christians. You're hard as flint in your heart. You got roots of bitterness. I, too, I'm talking to Brad, too. Okay? We, let me include we. Maybe that'll help. We, we have walls. We have roots of bitterness. We have anger. We have resentment. We have bitterness. We have all sorts of things that we won't let anybody get down to the root of that thing way down in there. And, it's, and it's, it's really time. It's really time to deal with it. The hour is late. Where comes fightings and fussings and wars and all these things? Is it not your own lust? So, so we may feel the surface level effects, but the core is for the heart and mind. Spiritual warfare is designed to destroy your faith and other people's faith. That's what this is about. It's not about the sickness. It's not about the byproducts and the function. It's about what's deeper. It's out to destroy your faith. How can I know that? Just go to the Word of God. Go to the first book in the Bible, Genesis, and let's see the first spiritual warfare. It's found around chapter 3. And it's where a serpent who is more crafty than any other beast comes into the garden and he begins to come to man and he says, Did God really say that you should not eat of any other tree in the garden? It seems innocent enough when you first look at it, but it actually is the most insidious tactic on the face of the earth because what he is insinuating is that God is not actually really good. He is not who he says he is. He is a liar and he's withholding a blessing from you and you have to seize these things for yourself. He cannot be trusted. you got to look out for number one and that's why the enemy brings spiritual warfare in our life. And folks, it's a trust issue 
you. It's a lie that was sown. And the warfare that you're experiencing today, listen to me, is just a continuation of that lie. That's all it is. That's all spiritual warfare is. It's a continuation of that first lie. Did God really say? Did he really say? That's the continuation. Get behind me, devil. No. That was my flesh, not Satan right there, if you wanted to know. Spiritual warfare is not about suffering, and I'm not making light. There is a time to rebuke things and do things. Spiritual warfare is not about suffering for suffering's sake. It's a trust issue. It's a warp in our view of God, okay? Hear me, please. Stay with me a few more minutes. Spiritual warfare is the continuation of the lie of did God really say? God is not in control. Did It's what he did in the wilderness. It's where he took Satan out there and he said, Can, he said did God really say, Jesus, that he's going to provide for you? Did he really say he's going to? Did he really say he's never going to leave you nor forsake you? Did he really say, where is he now? Huh, son of God, where is he now? And you know what? Jesus came back with him with uh, every time when he came against these spiritual attacks. He said, it is written. It is written. Devil, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He used the Word of God to defeat the lies because it's a lie. It's a lie. Spiritual warfare is a lie against the loftiness of God. It's, it's, it's imagine, vain imaginations. The battle, most of all, is right here in the mind and in the heart. That's where the battle, that's where the lie is coming. And there's byproducts. You're sick. He doesn't love you. You got a cancer report. Your mother died and you prayed. Where was God? And you believe a lie. Just like they believed a lie. God's not good. God cannot be trusted. I better put up some extra money because he can't be trusted to take care of me in this wilderness. I better store up some food. I better do this. I better do that. And we begin to, to, to exalt lofty things and vain imaginations over the word of God. And the enemy's tactic is to separate. He was trying to separate the son from the father. He's trying to separate you from them. From a relationship. From an intimacy with God. And at the root of that spiritual warfare is to distance you from God. God wants a relationship. He's trying to get you off course. So, so, so see what's going on. That illness might be spiritual warfare or it might be because we live in a fallen world. Either way, the wrong thing is to focus on it. The right thing is to keep close to God and keep going to God and say, keep my faith strong in this. Keep me from... Uh, losing my dependency on you keep me near to the heart of God in what I'm going through and no matter what I'm going through and God maybe you allowing this for a test help me to pass the test quickly amen and to come out of this victorious that's what we do we don't focus on that we focus on God run back to God keep your focus on heaven and that's what we do the demonic strongholds that are talked about in 2 Corinthians listen are every lofty thought raised against God? 
every lofty thought raised against God. It's a fight soullessly to the death for your belief in this book. It is a fight for the death of you to believe the words of God and believe this book correctly. So lastly, how then do we fight? You say, thank God. How do we wage war? How do we wage war? It's easier to show you what we don't do than what we do. So if you got your Bibles, go to Acts 19. And when I have a sip of this water, I spilled all over the place. Then some itinerant, and I'm not mad at any of you. I'm sorting out my beliefs as well. I'm getting into the Word of God and finding out what God believes. I've been on both sides of this left-right dichotomy. I want to land on the arbiter, which is the Word of God. I've been where I didn't believe there was much of this, and I've been where I've been out there too far in it. And, and, and I want to come to what Jesus says about it, because it's an important topic. And that's why we're all so passionate about it, Right? So then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had an evil spirit, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. So they're trained exorcists, okay? They're trained people who do this. But the evil spirit answered them, saying, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, and that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So here's a couple of things that we learn from this passage. First of all, just saying the name of Jesus does not cast out demons, and it does not cast a protective force field around you either. So just invoking the name of Jesus, because that's what we, in Pentecostal charismatic circles, sometimes we get really good at, at, I rebuke you devil, in the name of Jesus, even adding in the name of Jesus at the end of our prayers, like it's some kind of magic formula that, that, that we have to do, oh, I didn't finish my prayer within the name of Jesus, let me back up, in the name of Jesus, that, that's, not, that's not what the name of Jesus is all about, this is the name that belongs to a person, no, let me say that again, this is the name that belongs to a person. We're not just throwing around a name. It belongs to a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the most powerful person in all the world. He is God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When we invoke the name, it is a name above all names. It is a person, not just a, just not, not just a catchphrase. Right? It's somebody we have a relationship with. A relationship. You're intimate with Him. He's abiding. All you that had the abiding word this year. He, it's, 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 it's abiding in Him. It's being close to Him. And the sons of Sceva did not have a relationship with Him. They're just simply invoking the name. Secondly, another thing. Just having a relationship with Jesus because you have a relationship with Jesus does not spare you from spiritual warfare. In fact, thank you, Margaret. You're going to get it double because they hate Jesus Christ. 
And if they hated him, they hate his followers and his children. And here's what the Bible actually calls us. And this is what we need to grow up in the body of Christ. It calls us soldiers. Soldiers. Soldiers in the living God, in, in, in God's living army. And we are soldiers who fight. We don't desert. We don't run. We, we, we fight. We fight. We don't pray, protect me. We don't pray, uh, uh, you, we pray, use me to proclaim your word. Use me to, 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 to take this uh, gospel to the uttermost ends of, your, of the world. Magnify yourself in my life because I'm, uh, I'm fighting from a place of victory already. That's why when Jesus said, see if you've heard this language before. When Jesus says, he says, who do you say that I am? Some men say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. But who do you say that I am, Peter? And what did he say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did he say? We're not wrestling, what? Flesh and blood. And what did he say? Thou art Peter. I mean, you're Peter. And flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So the declaration that he truly is the Son of God. That's what's proclaimed to a world, and that's what breaks the power of demonic activity. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. That's what we go out on the mission. That's what we begin to go and declare is that He is the Son of the living God. He has all power and authority in heaven and earth. He wants to save you and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. What must we do to be saved? I want to come into thy kingdom. Oh, repent, believe the gospel, and you shall be saved. And they are taken from darkness into light by the glorious power of Almighty God. They are hidden in Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And we appropriate that and get there by faith. I live by faith. No longer do I live, but I live by faith in the Son of God. I keep my faith in the fact that He died, He buried Him, was rose again. So it's saying that because Jesus was victorious, we will be victorious. And so we can make much further, so, so, so we can march further and further into the enemy territory. Because what He went on to say, Harlan, was... Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so what he says, they've, I, you're fighting from victory. So storm the gates of hell. Quit praying to be taken you out of all of these things and storm the gates of hell because you're fighting from victory. You already have victory. Hell is being defeated. Keep going deeper and deeper into the enemy's camp and into the enemy's territory and keep fighting from that place. You're not back here saying, oh, I'm fighting for victory. No, you're fighting from victory. Keep advancing, church of the living God. God. Amen? All right, so we close. Praise team, if you want to watch yourself or you can play, I, I don't know, this is how I fight my battle or maybe uh, Phil Wickman, the battle belongs. I don't know, whatever you want to play. But let me read one more time, Acts 19. Because uh, 
Don't keep me from the battle, but there's a more excellent way. And let me, let me close one more time. We're reading Acts 19.13 in the New Living Translation. And then with a little story. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried, the evil spirit replied, here's what I want you to hone in on. I don't know the professionals the exorcist, the, but, I know, but I know Paul, and I know Jesus. Who are you? The man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled the house naked and battered. Self-proclaimed specialists got their tails kicked. And here's the two people the demons knew. Paul I know. And Jesus I know. Jesus had the greatest weapon from our arsenal come against him. And he blew it out of the water. It was called death. And we tried every bit of spiritual warfare we could against Paul. Let me, let me, let me, let me close like this. Because I love Leonard, Leonard Ray. What? Please start reading. Please, dear Dear Lord, I, I, I beg you, please, please read Tried and True People. Please, Leonard Ravenhill, gone on to be with the Lord. Amazing guy. Wrote a book called Why Revival Tarries. And he wrote about this right here, and he began to talk about hell's most wanted and Paul being on hell's most wanted list, that every day he was a problem down there. And I want you to go with me for a minute just in closing, and I want you to think about this. I want you to think about staff meetings. How many have to go to staff meetings? Come on, you send you that goofy agenda, and here we go, another one. Ugh. Okay? And I can see hell having a staff meeting. And Satan comes up, and he says, item number one on the agenda, Paul. Where are we with Paul today? Demon of persecution, where are we with Paul today? And he says, well, I tell you what. It's not looking so good, your vileness. We stoned him in Lystra and left him for dead, but he got right back up. We went to Derby and he preached there the gospel and a ton of people got saved. So next, he went to Philippi, and we had the fortune-telling demons that were following. If you're into demons and horoscopes and, and, and all of this mess, you better get out of that stuff. Listen to me. He had, and if you're allowing people to, that you're, you're mentoring to stay in those sorts of things, you better be careful because I'm telling you, it's time we start telling people the truth. Quit liking things on the internet that are so demonic and we got a thumbs up. I like you. I like you because I don't want to tell you the truth about yourself. Just don't do anything. Quit liking stuff that's not of God. And so he says, he went to Philippi and a fortune teller. We had our fortune telling demons there. 
And they're following him everywhere, but, but he cast them out. And so the next thing we did, we, we illegally pre- imprisoned him and we beat him. But guess what, Uvalis? He began singing at the midnight hour. So we went after the jailer. We put suicide on him. And he was ready to take out his sword and commit suicide. But Paul and them began to scream and began to say, don't take your life. We're all here. And so we couldn't even kill the jailer. And he got saved. And then he went home and his entire family got saved. So, so, so we, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Satan. So he turns to, to, to his other demon assassin. And he begins to say, or he turns to uh, he, he, the, the uh, persecution says we scarred him we made him a walking billboard we beat him with lashes we beat him we beat him with a, a cat of nine tails uh, 39 lashes each whipped him five times he's horribly scarred we thought we had him but he kept saying it's just filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ we just made him a walking billboard showing the love of God we couldn't do it Satan we couldn't do it so he turns to assassin and he says alright what can we do he says we can't just kill this guy because when we try to kill him he says that it's better to die and be with the Lord than to be here he says things like this to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord what do we do with him Satan get out of my face assassin so he turns to weakness he turns to weakness and he says what's going on I got him I got him I got the spiritual warfare on him We'll put a thorn in his, in his flesh. We'll put a thorn in his flesh. We'll make him weak. We'll make him so weak. We'll make him so weak. So we did. But guess what, Daniel? He said, when I'm weak, he's made strong. His strength is perfected. We can't get this guy. We can't get him. He won't even focus on everything we're doing to him. He's just going on and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't stop him. Well, somebody's got to stop him. Let's turn to mammon. What about mammon? Well, mammon. What about you, spirit of mammon? Oh, it's not working, Satan. It's not working, Lucifer. It's not working, your highness. Every time we do it, he says, I've learned to be content in all situations. Whether I'm fed, whether I'm naked, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor. He said, I can't do anything with this guy. So isolation speaks up. And isolation says, we got him. We got this rascal now. Everywhere he goes, people get saved. We'll put him into prison in Ephesus. Oh, we'll put him into prison in Ephesus. Is that going to work? That sounds really good. Before we move to the next agenda item, is that going to work? Yeah, I I think it's going to work. My people tell me that they have guaranteed, oh, 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 he is writing letters in there. But they guarantee me that there's no way that 2,000 years from now people will be reading these letters and their lives will be being changed. So I think we got him. What's the moral of this story? The moral of this story is we have victory no matter what the enemy brings at us. The battle belongs to you. And it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
It may look like I'm surrounded by it. I'm surrounded by you. And the point is spiritual warfare, which we seem to be so obsessed and focused on, did not affect Paul whatsoever. He just kept on task and on the mission. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The mission is to take the gospel to the world. And that's what I'm going to do. And it may look like warfare is coming, but I'm not fo- focusing on the function. I'm focusing on the core that the enemy is trying to get me to doubt my God through all these attacks and all these things. Attacks are going to keep coming. They're going to come till Jesus comes and then war will cease. But until then, I'm a soldier. I'm not deterring from the fight. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith and I'm advancing hell. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Father, we fight on our knees. We fight on our knees. We fight on our knees. We fight with the Word of God. We fight by believing you are faithful. You are victorious. We fight from a place of victory and not for victory. I'm not. You won. You won. You won. I can't help you. You won. You won. Now, you take the foolishness of taking a guy like me, putting his word in my heart and in my mouth and allowing me to preach it. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a vessel. I'm not doing anything, God. But you said somehow through the foolishness of this, you transform and change lives. Somehow when we take this gospel into the world, it transforms communities, cities. People hear it. They believe it. And they change. They change. They change. And they come out of one kingdom into another kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so, Father, we love you and we praise you. And God, we know there's demons. We know there's demon possession for those that are are not in Christ. We know that. We know those things, God. We know people are oppressed, but we're not going to focus so much on on that. God, yeah, we'll pray for one another. I'm going to have an altar call to pray for people. But God, that's not the core focus. The core focus is all of these things are trying to take my faith away from you. They're trying to get me to continue to believe the initial lie. You can't trust him. Look at you. Look at the place you're in. Paul, look at you in this jail. John, look at you. You're next up. Your head's on the chopping block. You were the one who was supposed to make the way for the Savior. Look at you now. He can't be trusted. No, this is how I fight my battle. It may look like I'm surrounded. And I'm going to cast down every lofty opinion, every vain imagination that my mind is having right now, and I'm going to make it susceptible to the truth. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God's Word. And I'm going to continue to stand on the promises of God.